Salam Khoshamadid, Bakhir Bien, Ahlan Wasahlan, and Kabadan Mitsakam, and in good old tea sign. Are we doing all right? Good morning to you all. Good to get together. Uh, if you're a guest here, thank you for joining us. It's great to have you with us. Today, this morning, we're going to look at our values again. We're going to continue with that. I'm really, really excited about our values. I love uh, some of the things about it, but one of the things I love about it is that it, they all start with we. That it's all together. It's us. It's not just one person. It's not just one group of people, but it's us. It's Jubilee together. We are doing this. It's all of us. We're a body. We've come together in this wonderful family, and we believe that these are the values that God has given us, and this is the sort of value that shapes our culture. So that's what I love about them. It's all of us together. But what I love about it again is that it's not just us coming up with some bright ideas. It's not just us thinking, oh, actually, that sounds trendy, and it sounds really good, and it sounds Christian enough, so let's come up with four things in there. They all start with we, what we believe, but also they rooted in the Bible because God is. So we start with all of us together and we believe that this is what God's called us to. So this morning we'll be looking at we inspire because God is our Father. And fathers inspire and release children. I feel really inspired today um, after our uh, prophetic evening at Awaken on Tuesday. I just feel that really set the scene for me this morning because... Um, it was towards uh, the middle of uh, the evening where Jill Woodward came to me and she said, you're an ass. And I thought, I beg your pardon? She said, God gave me a picture, you know, the animal. And I thought, oh, I thought I'd heard that before somewhere. I, I think I've been called that before in the streets, but not maybe to the same extent. But she, she brought that for me and there were a couple of other uh, things that people brought as well. So we had the opportunity of sharing that with one another. But then I thought, oh, surely that's what people meant when they called me that. It was, must have been from God. But um, it, it was just a great thing that is just happening at the same time uh, as we're looking at our values and also having the awakened evenings. This morning, uh, we'll be looking at um, our value of being inspired, um, and we'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 10. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd like to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, uh, the words will also be projected on the screen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for we have the fullness of what the Father has for us in you. We thank you for giving your life for us so that we can have it in full. We praise you that you inspire us 
to look at the Father, to look at his heart for us, and to imitate him. We praise you, Jesus, for bringing us together this morning. And we just pray, will you pour your spirit on us? Will you lead us as we continue to have fellowship with one another? We thank you for your word. We cherish it and we honor it. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. And we thank you for the things that are come. We thank you that you allow us to be part of your plan. Use us, Lord, we pray. Amen. Great. Um, the fact that we call God our Father uh, is not necessarily very inspiring to some people. I mean, it may even be painful for some. And that's understandable, because not all experiences of fatherhood are the same. My father was an amazing man. He was loving, he was caring, generous, gentle. I've got wonderful memories of him. There's so much that he deposited into my life. And when I came across the idea of God being the Father, I thought, he can, is this even possible to have an even greater Father than my earthly Father? So I really warmed to the idea. It wasn't threatening to me. In fact, it was great that God is similar to my Father, but only better, perfect. But we understand that that's not necessarily the experience of all of us here this morning. God's fatherhood doesn't just end there. Some of us may have had different experiences of fathers. Some of us may not even know our earthly fathers. So when it comes to thinking of God being the father who inspires us, it may either be a foreign concept or it may not necessarily be something that you think, I actually think is biblical. Jews at the time of Jesus thought that it was biblical for God to be the father of the nation. There are particular verses that God calls himself the father of the nation of Israel. Jews knew the idea, and it was fine for them. He was the father of the nation, but to actually call him father on a personal level, it wasn't something known. Until, again, Jesus being Jesus and radical, he taught his disciples to start by their prayers by referring to God as the father who is in heaven. This morning, uh, I was on the setup team, so you'd usually come down a bit earlier, and I thought I'd bring my eldest son with me. Um, so I, we came down together, and I just felt inspired to turn round at the roundabout and stop at Greg's. So uh, it was just, a, I mean, you know when the spirit leads you. So I stopped at Greg's, and um, so we got off the car, and on the way into the shop, um, then went in, and as we were waiting in the queue, I just thought a lot, a lot, start the conversation. I said, son, what do you think of the idea of God being the father? And he said, he is the father. In fact, I know he is a good father because you try to learn from him and copy him, and you're good, and therefore he's good. And also, the Bible says he's a good father. And I said, well, what do you think about the idea? Do you think that when you talk to your friends or other people, well, how would you explain it? And then I thought, oh, I've just started something great here. It's going to unpack the whole idea of, the whole doctrine of uh, Trinity for me. So I interrupted myself and said, but what do you think? How would you like to, to be when you grow up? And he said, I want to be a father, like our heavenly father, but I want to be like you and mommy, because I've learned a lot from you, and I think my children will love me if I'll be the same as you. And I thought, well, you don't really know me well to say that, but... But that was really inspiring. 
for a young child that age to know God personally, on a personal level, to believe the Word of God and to know that God is a father and fathers always want the best for their kids. Only the earthly fathers may make mistakes, even those with the best of hearts, whereas our Heavenly Father never does. He is a father like no other. So if your father, your earthly father, was or is a great man, then great. And I'm grateful to God for the experience I had with him because I can really uh, match the two together at times. But if your experience of father, on your, fa your earthly father, has not been a great one, then you're in good hands because there is time for you to experience what real fatherhood is by God. So I, as I stopped my son from lecturing me on fatherhood, I was hoping really that he would just give me some nuggets of wisdom that I could share with you. But the bacon sandwich got in the way because that was more attracting to me uh, at the time. So uh, our father, who is he? And what, what does it mean by our father inspiring us? I thought I'll choose two of his characters, two things about the character of our God that really inspires us. And there are some stories in there as well. Our God is a father who is generous, a generous father. Because as we just read in that verse, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He's not left anything back. He's not holding anything back. He's giving his children every single gift. And as we read in, in the book of James later on, every good thing comes from God. Every good gift that we have comes from God. Every good thing that your father is doing, every good thing that your father is displaying in the way he's caring for you, in the way he's loving you, comes from above. It's all an inspiration from the Heavenly Father, even if they don't know him on a personal level. When was the last time you received a gift? Perhaps Christmas? Maybe on your birthday? Maybe a special occasion? Perhaps an unexpected gift? The last time I received a gift was actually recently. It was something that was supposed to be a drawing of me, but it looked like a half-beaten potato on a piece of paper. And the worst thing is that I'll have to put it on the fridge and look at it for the next few days until I get a new one. I cherish that, but at the same time, I mean, it's not the sort of gift that you would receive because the kids come into you, Daddy, here's you. And I'm looking, hoping for something from Picasso or Da Vinci, and then here's that sort of picture of me. I look at it every day, and I'm expecting the next one sometime soon. Because it's a gift that comes from heart. I cherish it. It may be the same with some of the gifts you've received. You look at them and you remember some great memories. You look at them and you remember some people, some of whom may not be with you anymore. Now put that in the scale of what God has given us. The gift that God has given us as individuals but also as a body. Every single good gift that he has given is a father who gives not out of obligation but out of love. Now I wonder if you really felt the love of his father. I wonder if you really know what it means to be his loving arms day in, day out. I wonder if you've experienced that. You may be a Christian here this morning, but the idea of God being the Father may sound really distant to you. You're missing out. You may not be a Christian this morning, and you think you're not sure about where you stand, about the idea of God being the Father. You'd be glad to know that it's not something that we invented or came up with. It's what the Bible says. It's what God himself chose to reveal himself. 
is how he decided to introduce himself to a nation, to people, being the father. He chose us. He gave us gifts. He made us holy and blameless, a people who were in darkness. We had to be away from him for eternity. He decided to come in and meet us where we were at, in the midst of our darkness, bring us out, make us holy. He adopted us. That meant he could have just taken us out of that darkness, given us a new life and say, now on your way, there you go, I've done my bit, see you later. Some of us may be like that in our life. Not necessarily with our children, but with our job. With every commitment that we have. We think, I've now done my bit. I've met the bare minimum. I'm off the hook. It's fine. I'm going to get on with my life. God could have done that. He didn't even need to take us out of our darkness. But he did. But he went further as well. He not only took us out, but he said, you're a child. You're my child. You belong to me. Because you believe in me, you are mine. I've adopted you. You were a stranger. You were in the wilderness, but now you're in my arms. You belong to me. You're a son. You're a daughter. And not only that, you redeemed us. There was a price to be paid for. He paid that price himself. Through his son. Did the father have to do any of this? The answer is a definite no. He didn't really have to do any of it. He chose to. And as his children, let us imitate him. Let us do what our father would do in every situation. He has inspired us. I was recently, well, just on yesterday, in London, uh, at a conference, uh, uh, speaking at Welcome Churches. This is a charity in initiative that, w that are trying to equip every single church in this country to welcome refugees. I wasn't there necessarily to see how things are working. I was asked to go and speak, and I was really humbling, but do you know what? I felt really inspired, because 15 years ago, when I walked through these doors, I was received and welcomed and made feel like one of you guys. When we came in, we didn't feel we're different. When we came in, we made lots of mistakes, but you were gracious. Well, most of the time. <laughs> when we came in, you made us feel like we were worth millions. We had nothing to offer, but yet you took us in. Was that because it was your own idea? No, because you were also taken into the family of God. You were imitating Him. You were inspired by God to welcome the stranger. You were inspired by God to welcome the people that are not wanted in their homeland. You were inspired to do that because you knew the Father. And as I was speaking there, giving lots of examples of how you did this and encouraging them to do the same, I was reminded that the place that we, the whole thing was happening, the whole conference was happening, is called Inspire. It's a church in King's Cross. And that was amazing. And as I dig, dug uh, a bit deeper into the whole history of that church, it goes back to 1100s. That place has been inspiring people for generations and generations. And you know what? You've been doing that since the moment the cornerstone, the foundations of this church was built, God started bringing people in that were different, and you responded to it. 
rather than thinking, actually, we were thinking of building a good church of mainly white middle-class people. That would be quite straightforward. We know each other well. We know how things work. We know what different gestures mean, rather than actually having to learn about all different cultures and having to welcome them. And we'd just rather let another church have the blessing. You took on the challenge. And you know what? Through being inspired by God, you are inspiring other churches in the nation, not only in the local area, not only in Teesside, not only our neighborhood, but the whole of the nation. You took a broken man in, you took a person who was kicked out of his homeland, you made him feel welcome in this place, like he belongs here, and now you've inspired and empowered that man to go and inspire others. And I thank you for that. But I know you're doing this because you have a relationship with the Father. You are inspired by Him. And you know you're inspiring generations to come as well. Because it's not just us, it's our children. And you know what? Now, the force is even greater here. Because now, together, we can reach this nation as well. We can go out into the streets, me with my kids, praying for the lost. It's not just us feeling welcome in this place, but it's also us feeling inspired, knowing that God is our Father, and therefore, if the Father has brought us here, He has purposes and plans for us, and we are one together, and it's not just about one particular nation, it's about our neighbors and the nation. So let's do it together. And that's been amazing. So what God began, God began in this church, uh, right from the moment of its inception, carries on today. In Lamentations, we read that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. In His love, we are able to be inspired by His Spirit, to be a voice out in the streets, to be the voice for the hopeless, to bring justice, God's justice, not our own particular ideas, and to invite others to come and join us and become holy and blameless before the Father. Let me give you another story. Again, one of our good friends um, who recently moved to Liverpool, Ajin and Hore. Ajin uh, came and gave her testimony at her baptism. In fact, it was probably this time last year. It was November last year when she got baptized here. They came, again, a couple who were not treated well as they came into this country. As they were telling us the story of how they really had to go and ask for food for three days from a particular shop that was nearby because they had nothing as they were talking about how they felt when people came and gave them things out of charity. It was just strangers passing by, realizing they have nothing, because nobody cared for them. And then when they were sent here to Teesside, and as they met Simon, and Simon welcomed them through open door, and went to pick him up with Gavin, thinking, oh, he's just going to give him a call, and they're going to come downstairs, ended up going in there on a Sunday morning, on a day he was probably doing a lot here, putting out chairs and preaching at the same time, they invited him to come in and have a cup of tea with them, and he couldn't refuse. And they came in, and they were made feel welcome. And they started thinking, this is our family. As Ajin shared her story at baptism about how she felt rejected by her father and brothers when they found out that she's become a Christian, as they threatened to even end her life, how she felt really rejected that these people, the very people who are biologically related to me, are against me now. She was broken hearted until she came here. 
she's told us many, many times, maybe it's some of you, she's even started calling some of you mom and dad. Please don't be offended if you're not really older than her. She started calling me dad, and I'm only a few years older than her. I'm 21, so she must be around 17. She said, I lost my brothers and father, but God has given me seven times more. And by that, she doesn't necessarily mean seven times three. She means that God has given her an eternity with brothers and sisters who will remain brothers and sisters, who are not a threat to her, but are loving her. So she said, God has given me seven times more. And she was testifying to God's goodness here on her baptism. As God inspired you to be fathers and mothers to the orphan, the orphans do feel that they have a father. They were formerly orphans, no longer. Because God is our Father, and you were able to reflect His heart. As we approach the gift day today, as we'll have the kids coming in at the end, uh, there'll be some instructions at the end. We wanted deliberately to involve the kids in this, because it's not just adults. It's not just the grown-ups that are part of God's plan. It's the children, very much. As our kids came into the church, they felt welcomed by adults and kids. It was amazing how God has use some of the children to really speak into our lives as well. So we're going to bring them back in so they can be part of this gifting. Because we want them to be involved. But as we have that, I want you to remember the generous God that we have. He gave not because he felt obliged to. He gave because he wanted to. Because it's his nature. And if you're thinking of giving before, because you feel under compulsion, please don't. I encourage you. Please think again and pray about it. Because if you feel under compulsion, God's not really interested in it. Unless it's from your heart, it's not going to mean much to God, regardless of how much it is. But as we're going to dance around, as we're going to celebrate what God's doing, as we're going to celebrate the fact that God has honored us to give some of our finances for what He's doing, to give back what He's given us, consider this. Consider praying to Him and asking Him, what is your part in this? You remember the story that I gave again about one of our asylum seeker friends here who used to live on five pounds a week allowance that he had, plus a food parcel from Open Door. He got his five pounds. He knew it was the gift day, but he really had to call his uh, family back home to tell them he's okay. He spent four pounds on that, 50 pence on a loaf of bread because he needed that to go with the food parcel, and he had 50 pence left. For a week, he didn't spend it because he knew it was the gift day and he knew that God had put it, in, put it in his heart to give what he had. He gave all he had, literally just like the widow that Jesus gave an example of, just like the widow who had everything in her hand and brought and gave it. But before that, he came to me and said, do you think God will accept this? This is all I have. I was brokenhearted at the time, thinking, do you think that God will not honor this? This is all you're having and you're giving it. So I really had to sit down with him and say, what do you think? I spoke to him about what God feels about what he's doing. And dancing around, he gave the last 50 pence he had for a week. Wasn't sure whether he'll get another five pounds next, next week. But he wasn't worried about that. What he wanted to do was because he felt that God has called him to give everything he has, including finances, he gave it. And you know what? I felt a bit embarrassed. And sometimes I still do as I think about this story. The times where I've been holding back, not necessarily with finances, but every resource that God's given us. So if you're giving out of faith, great. 
You've been a great encouragement, not to me personally, but to many through our generations. Thank you for what you're doing. The next bit, and we're coming to, uh, to close soon. Our Father in heaven is a Father who rejoices and is glad. I've said many times, I struggle with Christians who are not, I mean, not necessarily all the time, but they don't really rejoice and are not joyful. I struggle with knowing uh, that there are people who know that Jesus has paid the price, he's freed them from slavery, and yet they decide to really be disappointed with everything. Why is this? Why is that? I mean, except if they're picking on Andy, anything else in the world could really be put right. If you know that Jesus is your master, you would rejoice because God looks at you. What does he see? Think to yourself, how do you feel when you're asked the question, what does God feel when he looks at you? Love. He looks at you and he says, this is my child. He looks at you and says, this is the one I've redeemed. He looks at you and says, this is the one who's going to be spend eternity with me. This is the one I gave my son for. This is the one I've set free. If you're struggling with that, then you haven't really grasped what it means for God to be the Father. God looks at you and He rejoices. Why don't you rejoice over who God is? Our God delights in us and He rejoices over us. Don't get me wrong, it doesn't necessarily mean that He hates sin. He does. It doesn't necessarily mean that he approves of everything you do and every thought you have and everything that you have in your heart. He doesn't approve of it all because there are things in our lives that are not necessarily in line with his vision and plans and purposes. But as we spend more time with him, we become more like him. As we spent time with many of you over the, year, over the years, many mothers and fathers, we became more like you. As we spent time with you, we learned a lot about Father's heart for us. And it's because you were obedient to Him. And it's the same. As we spend more time with God, we become more like Him. And since our God rejoices and is glad, let us be glad and rejoice. It's okay to dance. It's okay to hold hands and dance around. My British friends, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> the other thing is when His joy becomes our strength. As we read in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. We're not relying on our own strength. There are times when I feel really run down. There are times when I think I can't really do anything else other than just laying down on the sofa until either a football or something lands on me and I wake up and think, no, this is the reality. I can't even take a nap anymore. There are times when I think, maybe it's time to stop. Maybe it's time to really slow down. And then I remember I've been really going in my own strength. And why do I look surprised that I'm struggling with my own strength? I've got to rely on Him. And I encourage you, brothers and sisters, rely on God's strength. Because that's where our joy comes from. That's when you know you're not going to run down. You are mothers and fathers. There are many mothers and fathers in this place. Not necessarily just biologically or physically. You are spiritual mothers and fathers. You don't have to be a particularly, uh, of a particular age to be a mother and father. As I mentioned, I've learned a lot from our youth, a lot from 
uh, the younger children in this place, just their passion for God, how they're really honest about their relationship with God and how they're passionate about sharing it, how they really feel where God wants them to be and are obedient to Him. Paul in 1 Corinthians says to the church in Corinth, you may have countless guides in Christ. There may be many, many people who are guiding you, who are trying to shape directions for you. You don't have many fathers. He may be speaking from an apostolic point of view, but it could be true for us as well. The church needs more mothers and fathers to imitate the father heart of God. Paul is saying, in effect, this is a fatherless generation. This is a generation where people don't really know what it's like to be a good father and mother. And it's because they've really lost that relationship with God. And we need more of that in our church. We need more mothers and fathers in the church. But you know what? That's not what people want all the time. Sometimes people are looking for babysitters rather than mothers and fathers. And that's not what I would encourage. Because mothers and fathers encourage, inspire, challenge, and they rejoice with you over what you have, and they mourn with you at times where you're disappointed. A babysitter wouldn't be in a place to challenge you. And perhaps that's why you want a babysitter, because you don't really want to be challenged in a particular place. If that's you, let me encourage you today. Go to the Father and ask Him to reveal the places in your life where you think, I actually need to be inspired by God the Father. And I really need a mother and father next to me who can help me in this journey. If you're trying to avoid accountability, if you're trying to avoid community, then maybe you're in a place where things in your life are not necessarily in line with what God has for you. Allow mothers and fathers to speak to you and in your life. A Christian ministry is to reflect the heart of God, and Christians are the very people who can do that. That's where the problem lies. What I found in my journey with God very helpful was spending time with mothers and fathers, spiritual mothers and fathers who went out of their way to really welcome me, to get to know me, to build that relationship, not just over a cup of tea, but over the, a number of months and years, and then have that sort of position to speak into my life. I remember the first uh, few months where we came and joined uh, Jubilee, I felt really at home and I felt that this is a great family, but I was struggling with some areas. There was still some legalistic stuff in me thinking, why do people raise their hands? Why is there a guitar there? Why do we have drums? Why do they do things like that? Why are they happy? Why do they laugh in a church service? Why? And lots of questions. I wouldn't verbalize them. But as I got text messages from Raj on a Sunday morning saying, would you like a lift to church? I was thinking, this man must be really after God's heart, because why would he be interested in giving me a lift to the church? I've got nothing to offer. And as that happened, I had more text messages from him. Shall we go and have lunch together? We spent time over food, and he asked questions, really interested in my life, wanted to know who I am, wanted to know why I was here, wanted to know the ins and outs, not out of curiosity, but he just was really interested in relationship. And as Charlotte came alongside Mavak, and as Together, we were building not just our own families, but this family. As to, we were really getting stuck into the life of family in here. I felt that some of the challenges that Rod brought, some of the things that he really challenged me, some of the questions he asked me, 
really opened my eyes up. I was fine with them because culturally it was okay for me. But then I realized it's not necessarily biblical. And it was until people like Raj and Simon and others, who may not necessarily be around now, came and challenged me on. And these are some of the stories I shared yesterday at Welcome Churches about building relationships. So I gave the example of when Raj took me to the Hindu temple and the guy came and asked me to put the tears out thinking I was one of them. And Raj was really horrified thinking, I've just brought a guest and they've asked you to put the chairs out and the tables out. I felt fine. It was great. In fact, I thought Raj deliberately did that to make me feel like we have a really great friendship here, not knowing that he was panicking, thinking, oh, what's going to happen? What's he going to think? It was brilliant. Do that. If you're inspired by God, do that. Spend time with one another. Be mothers and fathers to one another. Helen was giving, giving me an example this morning. She was just, we were just talking over... Uh, a cup of tea. She said, yeah, I really had to do this because I, like a mother, I felt I had to do it. And I thought, yes, you're right. Like a mother, sometimes you have to do things the hard way. Yes, do it. Carry on. I'm not sure she was really expecting that, but I said, yeah, great. Do it. Christian life isn't always, yeah, it's fine. Let me stroke you a bit. Yeah, you're okay. You're fine. You'll be okay. Come on. There's a big bear hug. This is a Christian hug. Come on, you'll be okay. Yeah, that's fine. Carry on the way you're doing. No, it isn't. Sometimes it's challenging. But you can only challenge people when there's real relationship. You can inspire them when there's real relationship. We don't have to be working in order to be part of this kingdom. We don't need to be working in order to have the joy of the Lord. We don't need to be working for Him in order to be allowed to take part in different things. That's not our mentality but it's just an honor to be part of his plans, isn't it? Sometimes Simon picks, up, picks on me for using the word honor now and again, particularly in the office. He says, oh, again, him and his cultural stuff. No, he doesn't. He's too gracious to do that. But I can feel that he sometimes thinks, oh, the word honor has come up again. But it really is an honor, isn't it? Re just think about it. The person who's created the whole world, the person who's created you and I, the person who's put everything perfectly together is saying, would you like to come and work with me? As if he really needs us to do that. Sometimes I feel, yeah, you wouldn't be able to do that without me, would you? I mean, come on, uh, I'm the best person, aren't I? But no, sometimes I'm a hindrance. But he still says, come on, my child, be involved in this. I was putting together a dining table. Um, we, we had to uh, get a bigger dining table. So I was putting it together, and my son came and said, Dad, I need, I, I, I'd like to help you. And I was thinking, oh no, I need to get this done quickly. It's just not really a real blessing. I looked at him and I said, yeah, I won't be able to do it without you, son. I'm really glad you, you came and offered. I didn't really ask you because I wasn't sure whether it's something you enjoy. He said, no, dad, I'm really good at it. I, I, it's, and I enjoy it. I'd like to do it with you. I mean, something that could take 10 minutes took two hours. <laughs> but the fact that I was able to offer him that and I was able to spend time with him, and he was able to learn what screwdriver is from spanner, and just putting things in the wrong place, and me encouraging him and saying, yes, son, you're doing well, and then Ali's not looking, taking them out and putting them somewhere else. God is the same with us. I mean, imagine, without you and I, he could do it perfectly fine in no time, and he could do it really well. He doesn't need us. But the fact that he's allow, allowing us to be part of it, it is a real honor. Not just in the Middle Eastern sense, in the biblical sense, it is a real honor. And if God is our Father and is allowing us to be part of His plans, that means there is hope for the future. Quite a lot of us are fearful of the future. Quite a lot of us are fearful of death. 
We don't know, really know what's going to happen. A lot of us are expecting things to go wrong in the future because of some of the mistakes that we made in the past, because of some of the decisions that we made. But with God, that doesn't work. If I could ask someone to go and let the kids work and know that we're coming to an end, and could, Simon's doing that, brilliant. See, he's always on top of it. Never makes any mistakes, does he? Uh, ask Jude or Emily. Um, there is hope for our future. There is hope that there is a father who is interested in us, who inspires us, and he just doesn't leave us as orphans or just on our own to get things worked out. He works with us, next to you and I. As we look into this father who is inspiring, as we continue our journeys down the road that he's called us to, let's remember he's called us, just like we heard again this morning, to stretch the cords of our tent. Why would you do that? Why would you build a bigger house? Why would you build a bigger tent? Not necessarily to be more comfortable. God doesn't call us to stretch the cords of our tent so we have more space for more stuff to bring in. He's calling us to stretch the cords of our tents because there are more people coming in, because there are more to be added to the family. You know, in that culture, and still is the case today, when people get married, particularly sons, they just don't go and live on their own. They stretch the house. They build an extension. Ask Jossam. After he got married, where did he go to live? He didn't leave his father's house. They just built an extension next to it. So he was living there. And then it would continue generations by generation. It is the same. God is calling us to stretch the cords of our tents so that more people are able to come in. God's calling us to a new season. As Raj said, the past is gone. There's hope in the future. Stretch it. Make it bigger because there are more people coming in. Don't get caught off guard when more people come in because we've stretched our tents. The cords of our tents are going further back. God's doing something great and we're part of it. It is an honor. Let me end with this. If I could ask the band to come up as well. Are you willing to imitate God our Father, be inspired with Him, and are you willing to be mothers and fathers to the orphan? Are you willing to sacrifice and give everything you have for His plans and purposes? Are you willing to invest in the lives of others around you? Are you willing to invest in the lives of the unlikely? I was the unlikely, and I still am. Are you willing to do that?